What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. Guys, real quick before we begin, just want to ask a quick favor. If you could, please leave a review for the podcast, whatever platform you're listening in on. If you're able to give it a five-star rating, if you're able to add in a little bit of a review, it makes such a difference to our uh, to the podcast and to the way it gets you know pushed out there on the different platforms. That's all. Nothing else to ask. Now let's get on with the show. All right, guys, today we're talking about chat GPT and whether it can fix the housing crisis. Now, what is chat GPT? Some of you, <laughs> there's probably a very small number of you that may be asking that question, but uh, I have met a few people during the week that had no clue what I was talking about. So just to give you a little bit of an idea, this is artificial intelligence and it is so groundbreaking. I'm just going to go through some of the thoughts that I have on this now. There are certain moments in your life when you know you witness a moment in world history or some sort of an event takes place that you happen to witness and you will never ever forget that moment. And one of those moments um, that my parents used to refer to was the assassination of John F. Kennedy. They can remember it was so shocking and so you know amazing to hear that you know, they could scarcely believe their eyes and they spent the rest of the day listening in on the news. And that was one of those moments that no matter how many years passes, you still remember it so clearly to the day. Same thing happened for me uh, in 1997. I can remember the day that Princess Diana was killed in the car crash in Paris. Now, I was actually in London. I was just there for the weekend visiting friends. We were out all night on a kind of a late one and came in, turned on the TV at like, you know, I can't remember, it was like five or six in the morning, and the news was on at that stage that Diana had been killed. And we were like, whoa, this is incredible. Spent the rest of the day watching the news and actually being out in the streets in London and seeing all of the, um, all of the mourning going on and leaving the flowers at the Palace at Kensington and stuff. The next one that I can remember that's really, really, it's burned into my mind permanently was the 2001 attacks, the September 11th attacks on the towers in New York City. Now, I know there was the Pentagon was attacked and various things, but the things that like burned into my mind was the Twin Towers in New York collapsing and actually going down. Because just a few months prior to that, I had been in New York City and I'd been up at the very top of one of those towers. I'd been in what was known as the Windows of the World restaurant, and we were there for a New Year's Eve dinner. And so it was like nine months before we'd had dinner, the staff that served us that dinner quite likely died in that uh, event, that terror event. And I was away on, believe it or not, my honeymoon uh, was back in my, my first marriage. We were just married and we literally landed in Barbados on holiday. I turned on the TV to see what was on and there it was. The September 11th attacks were unfolding. Literally the first tower had been just hit and the second tower hadn't even been hit yet and that's when I started tuning in to the news. So the rest of the day spent 
watching this events unfold and I can remember it so clearly like it was yesterday. Anyway, these are moments in history, but there are other moments in history that you could say are even more pivotal to, the, uh, to world events or to, to, to the life that you live. And they're not as indelible like that. For example, let's just think about the, the first time I experienced having a computer. I can remember my dad bringing home a Commodore 64. Um, it was a home computer for playing games and stuff like that. I became absolutely obsessed and I used to spend like my entire summer watching this little screen, playing with the joystick. Um, it was really groundbreaking because it was so new and it was quite addictive at the time. The, the next thing that in terms of technology revolution I can remember was when my father got a, a car phone installed in his car. Now this was before mobile phones, but there was an actual car phone built in uh, so he could make calls from the car. And I can remember this being, wow, technology is really advancing. Um, sure enough, it wasn't, it was like maybe four years later or whatever that you could walk around with these huge big things. They were like the size of a, of a brick, a house, like for building a house or whatever. And you held it up with this big antenna. That was technology advances. But I can remember it very clearly um, because it was so new at the time. And fast forward to today, and obviously the entire world just works on. Uh, you know smartphones and things like that I can remember when I started college I think like second year I was given an email address for the very first time and I can remember being kind of like what the hell is this for because at the time nobody I knew had an email address so what was the point of me having one because I didn't have anyone to send it to but sure enough as the year went on lecturers were able to write you and all of this kind of stuff so it started to become it was a novelty though so when you received an email, you read every word of it like it was a letter. Um, fast forward to today, I just get, I'm so inundated with email. It just drives me mad. I would prefer to get far less email than I do. I remember the first time we used Google. And it was prior to that, you used Yahoo. And we all know Yahoo as this kind of, you know, new site for getting finance and stuff like that. But Yahoo back then was like a search engine. And I can remember I used to go into Yahoo and you'd search something and they would serve up this curated content that they had decided was worthy of that search result. Along came Google with a completely different idea. They troll the entire internet and just serve you up anything that basically the algorithm believes is what you're looking for, as opposed to it being something that the, is like approved or whatever. So it was very glitchy, slow at the time and all that kind of stuff, but naturally all these things, they start slow and they improve. And as they improve, you start to kind of see the utility of them and you get more and more into it. Now, in the last few weeks, I've been playing with this thing, ChatGPT, and it is, it's mind blowing. But for anyone who hasn't used it yet, that might seem like a big exaggeration. And when we're talking about artificial intelligence, you're kind of thinking, oh, come on, a chatbot, how is that artificial intelligence? It's, you know, it's been pre-programmed and stuff, but this is different. This is on a whole new level. And I've been, I've been, I've been just giving it questions and asking it things and the speed of its response and the originality of its response is absolutely mind-blowing. And, um, and I can see this as a tool that is going to start filtering into our everyday life. And dare I say it, it's actually something that could potentially put Google out of business because it, the, the results are so personalized and so unique 
that I think there is a good chance that people will start going to ChatGPT rather than going to Google. Now, that may be the reason why Microsoft this week agreed to invest a further $10 billion into the company. The company is only a couple of years old and the product is only out there for the last couple of weeks. But it in the, in the first five days that they released this ChatGPT, already 1 million people had signed up for it in five days. Now, no piece of technology has had that kind of adoption ever. And so it does look very, very, um, it just looks very, very promising. Now, I've been looking into some of the details. I'm not gonna bore you guys with, I mean, if you wanna go, there's tons of videos you can search if you wanna go out and have a look at this kind of stuff. Um, you know, there's, there's videos left, right, and center on how ChatGPT works and you know the technology behind it and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to know something a little bit more convenient, like can it solve the housing crisis? Like what is what tools could it be used for that will actually be useful to us here today? You know, everyone knows AI in, in a kind of a more or less from what you've seen in the movies. And um, I was actually doing a little bit of background research for this, um, for this episode. And I looked up and it says that the word artificial intelligence was actually turned into an academic discipline back in 1956. So it's been around for like 70 years now at this stage, but it really didn't hit public consciousness or awareness until 1968 when Arthur C. Clarke and Stanley Kubrick got together to create the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. And it's famous story it involves these guys out in this big spaceship um, i think they're flying to jupiter or something like that and in the process of the mission the artificial intelligence that basically mans the ship which is called hal uh, kind of decides to you know to take on the uh, to override the instructions of the crew and they end up dying or whatever it is so uh, if you haven't seen the movie sorry to be a, <laughs> there's a couple of spoilers there for you but What's interesting about it is that after that movie, a lot of people, a lot of movies started to come out talking about artificial intelligence. And I can remember 1985 when Arnold Schwarzenegger appeared as the Terminator and, you know, the cyborg. But it was the, it was the fact that he was this intelligence that could go around and led on to be human. That's what, uh, you know, grabbed the attention. But it's always this dystopian and it's always kind of like a threat to humans. The last few weeks, I've been playing around with ChatGPT, and far from it being a threat, at the moment anyway, I see this as an incredible tool that we'll all find incredibly useful. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, first of all, what is ChatGPT? It's essentially a chatbot. Um, and you know anyone who's familiar with using the kind of chatbots that you get, say, on like Vodafone or something like that, we're not, that's not what we're talking about here. This is on a completely different level. Uh, you can ask it questions the way you would ask a friend of yours. And the responses that you get back are whichever way you instruct it to answer you, that's the way you'll get your answer back. So you can ask for an answer back, very, a very serious answer, or you can ask for a funny answer back. And it'll actually answer the question for you. Now, I've got some examples to give you. And it really, it blew my mind. What, what blew my mind was the speed that it can deliver up this information. And uh, now I'm not gonna bore you by reading the entire articles that it wrote, but I'll read the first couple of lines so you can get the gist. And if you're watching the actual um, video here on the screen, I'll show you the speed 
at which it actually spits up the information. For those of you who are listening in on, on the podcast, you might be thinking, you know, I'm exaggerating, but go and check out the video and you'll see the speed at which these, these answers come up. And bear in mind, these are not coming from the internet. It does not have access to the internet. This has been pre-trained with something like 300 billion um, word fragments. It has learned how words come together and how they're used in certain contexts, and it's able to now mimic human speech. So let me just go and give you an example. I asked it here to write me an Irish government policy document on the housing crisis and how to resolve it, okay? Now, the answer, I'm not gonna read the entire thing because it's a big, long document here, but the answer, the first paragraph will say is, government policy document addressing the housing crisis. Introduction, the housing crisis in Ireland is a significant concern for both the government and the public. The lack of affordable housing has led to increased homelessness, overcrowding, and rising rents. It is a complex problem that requires a comprehensive, multifaceted approach to resolving it. The following policy document outlines the government's plans to address the housing crisis and ensure all citizens have access to safe and affordable housing. And then it goes into objectives. I mean, that is just one example. Now, the next example I asked it, I said that, you know, you wanna ask it a different question this time. You wanna ask, write me a YouTube script that outlines the Irish housing crisis and offers up some solutions. Immediately, here's what we get. It has opening shot of a city, of an Irish city with the following voiceover. The Irish housing crisis has been a growing problem for many years with skyrocketing prices, a shortage of affordable homes, and a lack of government action. In this video, we'll take a closer look at the causes of the crisis and explore some potential solutions. Then it has cut to an interview with a housing expert and the interviewee will be saying, one of the main causes of the housing crisis is a lack of supply. This has led to a shortage of affordable homes and a spike in prices and it goes on and on. This just blows my mind. It's the fluency and the speed that it's able to do it. The next thing I asked it, Produce a political speech that an opposition party politician might use to criticize the Irish government for its failure to solve the current housing crisis. Here's what the answer is. Ladies and gentlemen, we're facing a housing crisis of unprecedented proportions in this country. The government's failure to take meaningful action on this issue is unacceptable and it is time for a change in leadership. This goes on and on and on, but you can get the gist. That is exactly what you would expect to hear from the opposition parties. Enough of the questions about writing speeches. What could ChatGPD do, GPT, what could it do to help solve the housing crisis? And its answer is, ChatGPT is a language model and does not have the ability to solve real-world problems such as the housing crisis. However, it can assist providing information, generating reports, summarizing data, and providing suggestions based on the input provided. Additionally, it could be used to generate natural language text for communication materials, such as brochures, press releases, and other outreach materials that can be used to inform and educate the public about the housing crisis 
and possible solutions. So you get where I'm coming from with this. These questions and these answers were spat out in seconds. Normally, you'd have to sit down and you'd have to scratch your head and you'd have to get very creative and start writing all these. So the first thing I can see here in terms of how this is gonna change the world is creatives, people who write speeches, pe people who produce government policy documents. You guys might be counting uh, the days in which, you know, or certainly the years that you have left working here because this chat GT, GPT, it is, the version that we're using at the moment is called Chat 3.5. The, the, uh, the Chat GPT 4 that's coming out is 100,000 billion uh, words it has been trained on. So the first one was 175 billion. This new one is 100,000 billion. So it is a thousand times more powerful than the one we're currently using. Now, it obviously has limitations, but what I'm really sort of getting at here is that when you couple this with advances in speech recognition that you see when you, when you ask Siri or you know, the Amazon Alexa or whatever, when you look at image recognition, you can now search images in Google. Um, you can, you've been able to do that in, um, in various websites for a while. You've also got robotics. Um, I follow a company called Boston Dynamics, and it's just incredible what those robots are able to do. And then, of course, Tesla have brought out the driverless cars and the fact that you can have your car park itself and come and get you and things like that. All of this is converging on a point in the future when this technology suddenly, there it is, available to you, and you can basically do anything. Now, a couple of years ago, this is actually, I think it's four years ago, Google put out a video and it was on an artificial intelligence uh, calendar assistant that you can have working for you. And basically you ask the calendar assistant to go and make an appointment. And um, I'm just gonna play a very brief snippet of this AI speaking to a hair salon. And you cannot, it's, it's actually difficult to tell which is the real person and which is the artificial intelligence. Have a listen to this now. Oh, how can I help you? Hi, I'm calling to book a woman's haircut for a client. Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Sure, give me one second. Mm-hmm. So you can see what I'm talking about. If you combine the speech with the listening ability, with the, uh, you know, the artificial intelligence that can now see things and it can recognize images, and you can start to you know, put cars out there on the road, you can see that we're moving very, very quickly. And this technology is growing so fast that it is going to, um, I think within a couple of years, this is gonna be everywhere. In conclusion, where are we going with this? I think this is gonna be one of those technological revolutionary moments that we will remember. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's, going to be, it's going to be similar to the way the smartphone has changed the world. I think it's going to be similar to the way Google has changed the world. And I think we are now on this cusp of new technology. And in a couple of years time, everything you do on your computer will be using this kind of chatbot where you just 
speak what you want to do and let it go and type off and send the emails and certainly I'm looking forward to that day it's coming it's coming rapidly and I don't think any of us realized how rapidly until we saw this for the first time and there are already businesses out there that are leveraging this I've had a look um, there's actually I saw today 43 businesses that are using ChatGPT. It, the technology is inside them and you can actually ask them to do various things for you and so this is just this is going to gather steam what do you think like i mean what are your opinions on this is this is is this going to change the world is this a dangerous thing is this a useful thing are people going to lose their jobs are we looking at a future where uh, this kind of thing could potentially you know be become a threat to us to mankind uh, i know there's certainly people like Elon Musk have gone out and said that it could potentially be. Um, so you have to kind of wonder, what is it? But certainly it's an amazing tool that I do think you guys should check out. I'm going to put a link to it down below in the description if you'd like to go and check it out. Bear in mind, it's really hitting a lot of capacity at the moment. A million people signed up for it in the first five days alone. And I tried getting into it a little bit earlier today and it told me that it was at capacity and was unable so I had to wait a little bit so have a look sign up let me know how you get on thanks for tuning in to another episode of behind the facade if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes please connect with me via the Facebook group that is behind the facade community alternatively you will find me on social media my handle is Gavin J Gallagher and you can stay up to date with all the projects and various things I'm working on in my website which is gavinjgallagher.com and when you're there please do add your name join the tribe and uh, you'll be able to connect with me via the weekly newsletter so that's all for now see you guys in the next episode